0: We turn in God's Word tonight to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're not going to read that passage at this time. For those of you who are visitors in this section, a uh, series of messages. We, we cover point one, what man says. Then we read what God says and then speak about what it is that God says. So Brother Mark, if you'd lead in prayer again. Our Father in heaven, as we will read, you have said, so it will happen. You are coming with the saints to bring all those who are left to glory with you. It's not if, it will happen, just as you have said, because all things happen when you say it will happen. Be with Pastor Bob as he brings this message to us. May it be a word of encouragement that we can be encouraged by Him and that we can encourage others with this truth that You have given. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. appreciate those of you who have uh, been making some suggestions as to uh, what else to include in this series of Man Says, God Says. And I'm not sure you're aware of it or not, but actually we've been following uh, through in the Westminster Confession of Faith. These are actually points of doctrine that we have been looking at and examining. And here too tonight as well, not necessarily in in the order that it's given, but this message too, is this is what we believe. This is the doctrine that God's Word contains that we seek to come to an understanding of so that we can be powerful and effective witnesses in this world. When it comes to this topic, the end of the world, man says a variety of things that time does not really have the opportunity to cover it all, but I, I, I put down six. If you'd ask people today about the end of the world, you'd probably get one of these six answers. And when I, we say man, once again, let me just for our visitors explain, we mean by that those who are not believers, those who are, are not under the word of God, those who are not Christians. If we just go and ask the, the man on the street, the unbeliever, man says, end of the world? Well, that's never going to happen. The world will never end. There's a lot of people who believe that. It's just going to keep going on and on and on. When you've been educated that this world has existed for millions and millions of years, why would you think it would ever stop? What, what would lead you to a conclusion if it's always been going on for such a long period of time? Who could imagine it ever ending? And so many just take the view... It's never going to end. It's just going to keep going. Or, those perhaps who reflect upon it might answer you this way. The world is going to end by human activity. You only need to listen for a short period of time in the world and culture in which we live and uh, the host of people who are are telling us that uh, The world is going to end by the human activity because we're the cause of global warming or climate change, whatever term is in vogue today. It's it's our destruction of the environment that's going to lead to the destruction of the planet that will lead to the destruction of the universe. We will do it. We're going to make it happen. And the world does a pretty good job of putting people on a guilt trip. Well, if you don't recycle that pop can, you're going to destroy the universe. There is that thought that exists out there. And although we as Christians certainly should be good caretakers of God's creation, we more than anyone else ought to have a high regard and a high respect for that which God has made and that which God has created. I remember talking to one of you, uh, uh, one of you who are a hunter, uh, a couple of years ago, and you made the point in saying that truly the the, the men and women—I better include them, okay—who who are the true hunters are really the ones who care the most about that which is happening within the population of, for example, the deer herd. We ought to be that way as Christians, but. To to accept the view that the world will end by human activity, that's man. And if it's not global warming, it's nuclear war. Think about how much time was spent on that subject this past Monday in a political debate. And if it's not nuclear war, then some of you will remember, we don't hear much about it anymore, but for my generation growing up, it was population explosion. The population is going to get so big, the earth is going to be destroyed because of so many people. So take your pick, okay? Maybe I didn't cover the one that everybody in the world would pick, but they just think, how's the world going to end? Human activity will bring about an end to the world. Others might say, and I know this sounds weird, it sounds strange, it even sounds, you wonder, do you even have to bring it up? but because of the large percentage of folks in the world who believe this kind of stuff today, who believe it's true, you have to mention it. Because here we're going to go out, we're going to go out into the world and witness, and you're going to run into somebody. When you, when you talk about the end of the world, they're going to tell you, they believe that the end of the world will occur when extraterrestrials invade this planet and destroy not only this planet, but our universe. If you think I'm being silly, just go back in the last 10 years and look at popular movies. And if it's not extraterrestrials, then it's going to be zombies. It's going to be zombies. Zombies. They'll kill off Earth's population and that'll bring an end to the world. It'll just be destroyed by these non-living whatever they are, entities. And you can laugh, you can smirk. You say, well, that's nonsense. But that's what man believes today. There's a percentage of, of those millenniums that are into this. So much so that... That this is their founded belief about the end of the world. And there are others who would say, no, it's technology. Technology will eventually take all over the world and that'll lead to its destruction. Once again, if you just look at the rankings of, of popular movies over the course of the last several years. Those kinds of things emerge, whether it's from a computer, whether it's a transformer robot type thing. And you know, there's a a part of perhaps some of you in an older population, you may not come out and say it, but you're thinking it. This technology stuff is getting way out of hand. And if we're not careful, we're going to destroy our world. easy to fall in line with that and then there are people who will simply say how is the world going to end something from space will come and destroy it we'll get hit by some asteroid something like that will happen something will get out of an alignment and that will be the end of the earth and the world as we know it that's what man says What does God say? What does God tell us? Well, let's turn tonight to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's hear what God says. Let's hear God speak to us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, and so we will always be with the lord therefore encourage one another with these words as far as the reading of god's word encourage one another with these words with this truth with what god says about how the end of the world is to come about so first of all let's look at this that the return of Jesus Christ ends the history of the world. That's what ends it. Jesus Christ returns. Not man's activity, not extraterrestrials, not technology, none of those things that that man today thinks might be the cause. And also it will end. It will take place, even though man seeks not to think about this, man tries not to reflect upon it, man wants to pretend life's just going to keep going and going and going, and they don't want to stop and reflect upon the end of Earth's history, the end of the history of the universe. God says it will end. He's just delivered to us how that is going to happen. How that is going to take place, and that how is there to encourage one another, to build each other up, to strengthen us, so that we know the truth, so that we're aware of the truth, and that truth, as Jesus said, is that which sets us free. Sets us free from what? From all of the worry, from all of the fear, from all of the distress. If you're on that man's side, even if you have the view that the world will not end, what a discouraging belief. I mean, it's just going to go on and on. There's no point. There's no purpose. There's no end game to what we're doing. It just goes on. What a discouraging word. Or any of the other ones. They're filled with fear. All of those man activity things are all to fill your heart with fear. That's what they do. That's why people are so troubled. That's why people are so fearful. That's why some people are afraid to turn on the on button on their computer because they're afraid of what it's going to unleash. They're afraid. Paul says through the Spirit, Now, what God says is there to encourage you. Now, let's go through this passage and note what it is that occurs. First, there is a shout. Now, it's described for us as a shout, a trumpet blast, call of an archangel. There there is some sort of call, which would make sense, right? When God gathers his people, what does he always do? What is the first thing we do? when we come into God's presence for worship, God calls us. So it makes sense that the very first thing that's going to happen when God calls us together as the church of Jesus Christ, when He calls us together into His presence to worship at the end of time, that the first thing is going to be that call. That call. That shout. That trumpet blast. That's what begins it. There will be this call to God's people. It says, I know what this is. And this is good. This is a blessing. Second thing. Christ returns. And the Antichrist is destroyed. Paul had to write that in in 2 Thessalonians. If you go, I believe it's to chapter 3, where he talks about the man of lawlessness. and, And he talks about what the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, is going to be like. And then he says, but the Antichrist, this man of lawlessness, is destroyed at the coming of Jesus Christ. So what do we have? We have a shout. We have the return of Christ. As Christ returns... The man of lawlessness is destroyed. There is a resurrection. That's what Paul is talking about here. There is a resurrection that is going to take place. We will refer to it as the general resurrection. Because it is the resurrection not only of believers, it is the resurrection of unbelievers as well. Remember those of us in Wednesday night Bible study, Revelation chapter one And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. Those who pierced him are unbelievers. That's what it's referencing. So it's saying, at the return of Christ, even, even, unbelievers will see. So, all are, the dead are raised. When Christ returns, that's what's going to happen. All the dead are going to be raised. However, all unbelievers stay upon earth. They go nowhere. They're raised, but they're left here upon this earth. They go no farther than their grave. They get raised out of their grave, that's it. The dead in Christ, however, the believers meet the Lord. Paul is very specific here. That those who died in Christ are those who are raised first. They're the ones who begin to ascend to meet the Lord in the skies. Then we who are alive are caught up with them in the air. And we meet Christ. End of the world. This is it. Not so scary, is it? Not so frightening. In fact, it actually sounds like a blessing. It actually sounds like a great thing. It actually sounds like something to encourage one another with. See, Paul is writing this section of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 because there were those who were saying that if you died before the Lord's return, You don't get to go to glory. See, once you die, they were saying once you die, that's it. You you die and you pass out of existence. Oh, it's too bad. Uncle Freddie died. That's just just too bad. He's never going to get to go to heaven because he believed on the Lord, but now he's dead. Got to be alive. Paul says, no, 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 no. That's not true. Because there's going to be this resurrection That occurs at the return of Jesus Christ. You've got to follow along here. Unbelievers remain on earth. Believers meet Christ. The dead in Christ first. The living caught up. Now let me ask you a question. Okay. How far do you think you can get off the ground on your own? How far? Okay, we're going to meet the Lord in the air. How far are you going to get off the ground? Okay. No? No? You can try it after church. Go out in the parking lot. How far are you going to get there? You 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 and I both know we don't go very far, do we? So what has to happen? There has to be a transformation. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. There's going to be a transformation. That's what happens. Christ returned. Now if you think, boy, there's a lot happening at one time. You got it, because what just happened? Time just ended. See, we're trying to arrange all of this and how long did that take? How long did that take? How long did that take? It took that in a moment, in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye. All of this is taking place in a moment. It's being described for us as step by step, but it's in an instant. This is what's happening. There's a transformation. Dead are going to meet the Lord. Living believers are going to meet the Lord. Unbelievers here upon earth. Dead unbelievers who have been resurrected here upon earth. They go nowhere. They stay upon this planet. What happens then? Christ judges there is a separation of sheep and goats to his left and to his right. Now you see, most of the time, most of us think, okay, so everybody goes up in the air and then we're all kind of standing there in a mass and Jesus is in the center and he says, you hear, you hear, you hear, you hear. They've already been separated. Those who are his are already with him. And those who are on his left are already there. They went nowhere, you see. They're still upon earth. They're still there. Stuck to this world as they always were. Unbelievers are then assigned to hell. Believers to glory, you say. Okay, I follow 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that's what happens, that's what takes place. Okay, now Paul was only answering in 1 Thessalonians 4 the resurrection question. That's, that's what he was answering. He he was answering the question about, okay, what what about the dead in Christ? What happens to them? Did they miss out or not? And Paul wrote this through the inspiration of the Spirit to comfort them to know, no, that's not the way it is. So he's detailed for us the event of Christ's return and that which takes place with it. Now, if you're thinking, if you're listening, you're going to go, okay, the last thing you said, Pastor Bob, was that the unbelievers go to hell, believers go to heaven, to glory. But isn't the earth still in existence then? Let's deal with that. Okay, Take your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 24. See, Paul wasn't answering that question in 1 Thessalonians. So now you have to consult God's word in another place and say, well, what what does God say about that? Matthew chapter 24, where we're going to be. Verse 32. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that... That he is near, at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will, what? Pass away. But my words will not. So Jesus has told us, heaven and earth are not going to last forever. Heaven and earth are going to pass out of existence. Jesus point here was just to inform us of that. He was not to tell us how. But I know how. God's word tells me how. Turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter Chapter or excuse me, 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3 Let's start at verse 8, 2 Peter 3, verse 8. So Jesus has said, heaven and earth will pass away. How? But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come, will come. See, that return of Christ will come, like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. What did he just say? The Spirit just told us what's going to happen. On the day of the Lord, the day when all the rest of this occurred, the day when he returns, dead are raised, separation, sheep and goats, believers and unbelievers. On that very time, that very moment, Heaven and earth are destroyed. They pass away. As Christ said, they would pass away. How are they done so? The heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and all its works will be exposed. Keep reading. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God? because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heaven and a new earth, which righteousness dwells. What happens? It is destroyed. All the heavenly bodies, all the stars, all the planets, that includes earth, are destroyed by fire. They are no more. They cease to exist. That's what God says. God will destroy them. And he will destroy them with the means of fire. But, Peter also gave us another clue here, didn't he? Something else is going to happen. Those old heavenly bodies, this universe... Is destroyed and any universes beyond it. That's the heaven and earth. It's not talking about the place of God's throne. It's not talking that God's going to destroy his abode with fire. No, it means the heavens, that which falls within the parameter of his creation and earth, are destroyed by fire. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth that is created for believers. When? Because time has ceased. Time is no more. What is the glory? What is the glory that if we are alive when the return of Christ occurs? What is the glory to which we go? The new heavens and the new earth. See, it's almost as if we're, if you picture it this way, we're lifted up to meet Christ, we're protected by Christ, as everything we see before us is destroyed, as unbelievers are assigned to hell and spend their eternity there, here we are with Christ, the destruction occurs, and in a moment, in an instant, there are new heavens and a new earth, and God says, there, go live. This is what I've made for you. This is where you live. And I saw a new city, the Holy Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Notice it's not in heaven. It comes from heaven. Who lives in New Jerusalem? Those who are believers. What is the picture that Revelation gives us of this new heavens and new earth? This new Jerusalem says to us there is no sin, there is no death. In this new heavens, in the new earth. Let me, let me give you another passage. Go to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 65. Find verse 17. Isaiah 65, 17. For behold, I create new heavens, and a new earth. And the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. Oh, I remember Mount Rushmore. No, you won't. Oh, I remember the Rocky Mountains. No, you won't. Oh, I remember that little house. No, you won't. And the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. Why? Because the new is so superior. That which God creates and gives is so superior to that which exists now. It won't even come to mind. It will no longer even be remembered. There is not one moment in glory, my friends, where we shall look back upon our time here and say, Oh, I was so much better. It will not even come to mind. Man says, God says, Jesus Christ is returning. I'm taking you to be with me. You're safe. You're mine. I'm going to give you a new heaven and a new earth upon which to dwell that is vastly superior to anything that exists today, so much so that it won't even come to mind. Go to chapter 66 of Isaiah. Verse 22, for as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain. From new moon to new moon, from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord going to make a new heavens i'm going to make a new earth that's where we will live that's where we will dwell for all of eternity and nothing 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 will ever change it it is a covenant forever in the blood of jesus christ now compare that my friends compare what god says to that which is out there in the world What does God call us to do with this great good news? Go into the world. Go into the world. These people despair. These people live in fear. It's not you and I. We encourage one another in talking about the end of the world. This is good news. This is amazing. This is the triumph of Christ. This is the triumph of grace. This is the triumph of the gospel. This is how it ends as God reveals the end. It's really not hard. It's really not complicated. And it all takes but an instant, in a moment, the twinkling. Of an eye forever in glory with our Savior, with our Lord. Did you remember the part that we read about and righteousness shall be there? The righteousness is Christ, the most glorious thing about this new heaven and this new earth, this place where we shall be, is that Christ is right there. And God's people say, Amen. Father, thank You for Your Word. It's a reassuring Word for each one of us. May we be encouraged strengthened by that word in Christ's name. God's people say again, amen.